handle the truth. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Night Cell Block. This is Thomas Freeme of the Thomas Freeme TV and Podcast Show. And we are getting nitty and gritty tonight. But before we get started, let me give my praise. Uh, you know, bless all those that are less fortunate than us tonight. Um, I pray for you guys. I pray for warmth in these cold nights. Um, if you guys can, please, www.cominghomecoalition.com. Blankets, sweaters, anything that you have access of, please uh, put them in a box, ship them to us, um, and, and we'll make sure that those get directly out to those that need it. But um, God bless you guys, and I, and I hope that you guys are finding warmth and food tonight. So uh, great show tonight. I brought the pops back. Brought the fam back, and we're going to be talking about uh, visitation, man. You know, we're going to be talking about the things that uh, families go through, the struggles. You know, prison just doesn't impact the, the individual going inside. It affects the whole family, you know, and that's, this is what we're going to be getting into tonight is exactly what what all entails and, and what it takes just to, to get one visitation to an inmate. So... With that being said, let me switch on over. Got my pops and mom dukes, Miss Rose and Mr. Tom. And as you guys can see in the background, I got a prison visitation room. And it's somewhat similar to uh, many of the visitation rooms that us three have sat in. So with that being said, how are you guys tonight? We're doing fine, son. How are you tonight? I'm okay, Pops. You know, it's it's uh just like we were talking earlier, you know, things are really taking off here and, and um swamped from head to toe and, and uh you know this 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 thing that you know you guys have watched me build and question and, and wondered what the hell I got going on has now grown into a full fledged nonprofit here in the Tampa Bay area and, and we're we're doing it, you know, so. Yeah, this is very hard times for uh, people coming up on the holidays. Those that are incarcerated and those that are wishing they was home at this time. Very hard time. <clears throat> it really is, you know, and, and, and I can take first count. You know, the depression, the overwhelming depression on me inside during these times. I couldn't watch TV. Um, I was miserable, miserable, miserable because of, you know, every commercial is a, is a holiday commercial. It shows family together. It shows good times. And I knew that that uh, not only was I missing that, but, uh, you know, again, like I said from the beginning, I knew that I had affected the whole family, like the whole family's holidays were. I knew were were different, you know. And and um, but yep. yeah, go speak on that song. Well, you know, it's like any other holiday when you don't have your kids home with you. Uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, the Sunday dinners we used to have together. 
all that's hard on you when uh, when your loved ones ain't home, and uh, it goes through your mind constantly. What did you guys used to do for me on on Christmas and stuff like that, or or how did you how did you fill that void? Well, there's no way to fill it. I remember Rose, my wife, having to send you paper just to make us a card with to send home to us. And uh, we still have those here at the house. <clears throat> and we filled it the best way we could and prayed that you'd be out anytime and waited for the day that you got out. Yeah, so getting into uh, visitation, you know, you guys would have to come visit me. You know, I, I got incarcerated in, in 2005. Uh, and and I was federally incarcerated, so I'm with the feds. You can move anywhere in the country. And being that I went to trial, the biggest concern for our family at that time was was keeping me close because I had an infant. You know, I had I just had a, a child, my first child, my only child, and uh, she was six months old when I left. So the biggest concern at that time was trying to keep me, you know, as close to, to home as possible. Um, just so be it, I took the federal government to trial, so I really didn't have any favors coming from them. And most of, of my homeboys that testified against me, of course, they always get first pick. Most of them landed at Coleman, Miami. You know, these were the closest places. Uh, but... Luck have it, I landed at Mariana FCI, which is about a five and a half hour drive north of where we lived at. So this is where you guys first started to come see me at, at Mariana. So do you guys remember the first time that you guys got there? Sure. The very, the, the very first visit. I remember going by the train, coming back there to see you. And... Uh... It was hard, and it was more than five and a half hour drive. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Well, you guys was, drove it. I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, it's more like about an eight, nine, ten hour drive. No, but I, I don't know why, but that train always sticks in my head because that caboose or whatever it was was just sitting there where you turn in to come back to where you was. And, uh, of course, then, when the baby got old enough to come and see you, we took her to see you in every state that you was in. As soon as she was able to walk. And uh, I can remember her sitting inside, waiting for them doors to open for you to come out. She'd watch everybody that came out of them doors. And she'd recognize you before we do, because she got up and started running towards you. And, uh, but what a time. What a time getting into this, into these places. It, it was terrible. They made you feel more guilty than the prisoners in there. Mm -hmm. You had to sit. You had to stand in line. If you forgot something, you had to go back and get it out of your car. 
if you had too many keys on your key ring, you had to take them off, take all them back to the car. You had to take your belt off when you went in. You had to take your shoes off. Let me tell you, <clears throat> you don't need allowed to take so much money in there. So I think each one of us was allowed $20. Had to be in $1 bills. And they stood right there and counted them out, out of a baggie. And I'm going to tell you what, in there, $40 ain't nothing. It don't go nowhere in there. But speak, speak specifically on the money, because I can remember some of the heartache was making sure not only that they were $1 bills, but that they had to be cleaned because they would scan them for drugs. So a lot of times what was happening was people would go and they would uh, break a $100 bill, let's say at a 7-Eleven and get dollar bills, $5 bills. Well, dollar bills are commonly known for sniffing drugs out of, right? And then they'll, so these 7-Elevens and such, have a lot of these dirty bills and then what happens is these parents take them they get them on their hands they get them on their clothes this residue without even knowing it you don't even know it but when you go to the prison and they scan this stuff you can actually get your your visitation denied for coming up as positive for uh drugs so that one of the other reasons they wanted them nice and clean and everything Cause that was the only thing at work in the machines in there that they ripped you off on. How much, how much, so you guys said that you, you would bring in $20 a piece, which uh, was you and Cheyenne would bring in a little bag with $20 on her. And how much would you guys have by the time you left? Oh, like maybe two or $3 in, in coins. And, Every anything, everything you bought was uh, like a hamburger was six or seven dollars. Um, it was just, and, and we were feeding three people, you and us, because we would have had breakfast at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, in mm -hmm. order to, you know, get be there on time to get in line to, you know, come see you. Mm -hmm. All I could say, Shane, Thomas, is that the anxiety, I know myself, I had such anxiety. And the only time that I was able to actually relax a little bit was when you walked into that visitation room. So I knew that we were through we were in and we were going to be able to sit with you and spend a few hours with you. It was really, um, it was heart wrenching. Well, so, speak on that, speak on that anxiety, that tension, you know, like where did that start and how long did that, of course you explained until you came through the door, but just, just outline that some so that the viewer can really understand the anxiety that you're speaking on. Well, if we if we flew to see you, which we did many times when you were at, not in Florida, um, we would get up at 5.30 in the morning with a child. We had our granddaughter with us, and we would go have a breakfast, 
and then we'd have to be online at, at 7.30 in the morning or whatever time the, the prison opened, I think it was 8 o'clock. So you had to be in line, either your car in line or in line. Each prison was a little bit differently how they worked it. And if you were not able to get in line, then you had to sit in your car. And everybody would just stand outside of the car and watch their clocks, their watches, which you had to take off before you went in the building. And as soon as 8 o'clock came, everybody would start literally, like, walking quickly, almost running. Mm -hmm. Speed walking. Yes, speed walking, right. And we were in our late 60s and 70s. And we were speed walking with a little child, right, trying to make sure that we got in line because we knew that they only allowed so many visitors in at a time. Was there any, because mind you, I went through none of this. I See, what, what, why you're doing all of this, I'm back in the dorm really just watching the clock, either sitting in front of the TV, because I'm anxious as well. Right. I'm tense. I'm anxious. I'm nervous because of I know this whole process as well. Right. And 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 I know. My tension and, and anxiety was coming from the fact that if they messed with my family in any kind of way, they were going to have a serious problem with me on the compound. That's where a lot of my anxiety and tension was coming from. Right. Because I, I was already so internally mad that I was putting you guys through this. Right. And, and then for, to know that they are giving you a hard time too, after all that you've went through, I mean, that, that would, so that was a lot of my anxiety, but with you guys, it's different. I, I know nothing about this whole process that you guys went through. Well, one of the biggest ang anxieties, and I, I think it's happened once or twice, you, there, you had no way to notify us. And I think there was a couple times that we spent hours coming to see you and you'd be in a lockdown. Hours. And then we'd have to turn around and go home. Yeah. Because we had no, no way to know how long you'd be in lockdown. And uh, it was just a missing guest to whether we'd even get to see you after we traveled ours or not. That's and right. I'm sure, I'm sure there is a lot of people out there that know what we're talking about, have gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for people that hasn't, and their child or their loved one is getting ready to go in there, I hope they take note of all this because it's, it's terrible trying to get in to see your loved ones. Well, and, and that's, I mean, again, this is what Coming Home Coalition and what I'm doing, you know, within that is, is you know, family preparedness for these things, to get the family prepared for these visits. And, and so to try to alleviate, because just like you said, it was always a guessing game. And it got to the point to where you guys had to end up bringing extra clothes Right. Just just to 
just to make sure that you didn't have to, they weren't going to send you back to the store or or turn you down or turn you away because my daughter had open toed shoes or some, something to that effect. Right. Yeah. I had, um, I, I would check the websites for whatever prison we were going to, to see you, to see, you know, what the clothing thing was and, you know what I mean, all the rules and regulations. And one time I had a, I have to say, I have, I do not ever dress uh, sexually, right? I'm, I'm a very normal person. And, I went there one time and I had this shirt on. Of course, it couldn't be see through. I mean, I would put my hand, I would not buy clothes that I, I couldn't wear. And they said that my shirt was inappropriate. I said, How? I said, It can't be inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. They said, We said it's inappropriate. We can see your the outline of your bra. I said, I didn't know what to say to them, Thomas. I so she it. had to go out and put her sweater on. I had a sweater on in the car. I had a sweater in the car because of the air conditioning and I was traveling. And I ended up sitting that day visiting with you for the entire day in 90 something degree weather with a sweater on because they said that my shirt was inappropriate and it was not inappropriate. I even came home and I was so angry that I came home and wrote a letter to prison system directors or somebody, right? Because I'm a letter writer and I never heard back from anybody. I I mean, I, I did. I wrote this letter saying, you know, how awful that they can treat people like this. And one other time, uh, it talked about shoes that you could not wear, slip-on shoes or shoes that, you know, your toes, thongs, the thong shoes, what are they called? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Right. Okay, well, my, the shoe that I had said nothing about sandals with straps around the back and covering your feet, nothing like that, and I had on a very appropriate business-like sandal with a strap in the back and the only thing that was showing was just a little bit of the front of my toe and i was perfectly sure that it was okay because it did not say that in any of the rules or regulations and they turned me away because my of my toe so she had to go find a walmart and buy a pair of tennis shoes i had to leave the facility go find a, a local walmart or whatever store i found grab the first pair of my size shoes that were closed completely, put them on my feet and go running back and, and getting in line and starting all over again. Yeah, that's, when you go out to do anything, whether it's to take your keys out, to put them in your car or whatever, it's another whole thing trying to get back in there again. It's, it was, um, it was really that. That's the only thing I, I could say completely is that it was it. It just it was like a terrorizing feeling that mm. they were going to find some reason that we could not see our loved one, and they looked at you with. Um, 
they, most of them were just not really nice people. Contemptuous. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, very contemptuous. They would look at you with contempt. They would, yeah. Yes. Um, disdain, like you yes. were an like you were an irritant. Yes, yes, exactly. And mm -hmm. uh, they had total control. And like I said, the only time I relaxed somewhat was when we were with you. When I saw you come through that door, and I knew that we were going to be okay as long as we didn't touch you, we didn't do anything that annoyed the guards or anything like that. It was uh, it was very trying. And then the whole the whole visitation process, you know, one of the one of the biggest things for me, again, <clears throat> uh, going back to Thursday night with, with Demetrius and I, when we're talking about some of the emotions that we have to contain inside, you know, I'm in visit with my daughter and, you know, these people are just call you up, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, hey, Thomas, come here, you know, and they'll wave at you and tell you to get up and walk up to the desk yeah. and, uh. You know that's it's embarrassing because they know what they're doing. You know they're 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 belittling you in front of your family. Yeah. You know they're they're showing you, they're showing everybody in the room that they're the boss. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 a whole it's a very demeaning process. But we got to get up and smile and walk up and what's going on, boss? Yeah. yeah, your your daughter she can't sit in your lap. What do you mean she can't sit on my lap? Your daughter can't sit in your lap. She has to sit next to you. Like, CO, she's two years old. What do you mean she has to sit next to me? She's going to, as soon as I sit her down, she's going to crawl right back in my lap. And then there, if she crawls in your lap again, we'll, we'll terminate your, your visit. You know, so now I got to go back over there. And my daughter's trying to climb into my lap at two years old. And I'm taking her and out of my lap and sitting her down. This child don't know why I'm doing that. You know what I mean? So it's all of this combined that really deteriorates the whole function of the visit to begin with mm -hmm. because yep. because by the time as we heard these 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 parents get in there the anxiety the terrorizing anxiety that they have that's very exhausting on the body it's right very, that was another another thing your dad and I, when we would leave there in the afternoon of whatever day we were visiting you, we were physically and mentally exhausted. Well, I felt sorry many a time because I knew how long we had to see you. But I can remember telling you that your dad had to go. I couldn't sit there any longer. It would... Uh, yeah, you would leave early and you would go out yes. to the truck. Yes. I've, uh, and I left Rose in there with the baby, but I had, I had to leave. I couldn't, I couldn't stand all that. I couldn't stand all the emotion. And then here we got our granddaughter in there and we don't know how many pedophiles are sitting around inside that place. And uh, it just, it gets to you. Yeah. Oh, we went through that for twelve years with you. Twelve years. But I think I had her in every state she was in. Just about. We did. Yeah, you guys packed her on a plane, flew her out to Texas. You guys came out to Texas the time. 
I, I believe, if I remember correctly, the, the airplane co- uh, pilot brought her up to the cockpit, right? See, what happened, no, a- after, we, after we left you, we, quick, we quickly had to go to the airport, drop off the car, right? And so we were signed in and waiting to board this little airplane that was taking us to somewhere in Texas, which was going to transfer us to come back here to Florida. And um, they had a mechanical problem. Mm. And there was no other airplanes that we could take. So we had already turned the car in, right? This was a little tiny town in uh, Arkansas. Uh, te- Texas. Texas and Arkansas, Arkansas, something like that. And when they said uh, passengers from planes such and such come up to the desk, and so I had your daughter with me, and they said that the plane was canceled, there was mechanical issues, and it would not be leaving until tomorrow morning, the next morning. And here we were, exhausted. No car. Exhausted. We had just turned in our vehicle. The place, the car rental place was closed. I started to cry at Mm. the airplane desk. (laughs) I said, what are we supposed to do? We have, and and your daughter was, I don't know, six or seven years old at that time. And we, you know, we were close, well into our 70s. And um, I literally started to cry. And the, the the lady was so sweet, the customer service lady. She says, oh, my. She says, it's, it, it's, it's going to be okay. She says, we're going to take care of you. She said, we're going to take you and your family to a hotel. And, in fact, you're going to ride with the pilot and the co-pilot and the stewardess to the same hotel and you're going to spend the night and tomorrow morning we will try this again so that's what they did we they drove us in like a little minivan to the hotel with the pilot and co-pilot and stewardess and we had to meet them at 5 30 in the morning to go back to the airport and we boarded a plane and which took to texas then which took us home. So, We've had some trips. You know, and, and that's that's just the whole thing. And then for me on that aspect, you know, I'm I'm sitting like like we discussed earlier, I'm sitting in the dorm and I'm waiting and, and you know, dad brought up a good point when you said that the communication, you know, because on my end I can't I there's no way that I can reach out. And I know that there's been times, I can remember times where I'm calling other family members, you know, to have them call you to see what's going on. Because I knew we always had everything mapped out. And I knew that you guys left at this time, you would arrive at this time. You know what I mean? And that it would take you approximately this amount of time to get through because I'm getting ready in the dorm. I'm waiting. And I, you know, so if a half hour goes by, an hour goes by, I start panicking because I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to the officer. Hey, listen, man, I'm waiting on a visit, you know, and, and 
what's going on and they would call up there to the waiting room and no no they're they're not in here yet so all of that anxiety on my part by the time we get out there and then knowing that you guys are going to be leaving here soon you know, and that and that was the hardest part for me was uh, even now it just it, it breaks me up because I knew how hard that was to to have to to leave, turn my back, walk away. Yeah. And and then because they would when we were, were ready to go, we'd have to just stand there in that line up against the wall and, and I'd have to just stand there and watch you guys leave knowing that I'm getting ready to go back here into a room and, and get butt naked in front of some man and bend over and have him look up my, right. you know, so. Uh, well, it was hard on us too when we left because then we had to try to explain to Cheyenne why we had to leave and everything. And God love her, she was just as wore out as we was because we wouldn't be in the car very long and she'd be laying down in the back seat asleep. <laughs> yeah. One time, Shane, I can't remember which facility it was, but they told us that you were not at that facility. And I said to the guard, whoever was at that time, I said, no, he is. He's here. I said, you know, this is his number, this is his name. And and she said, ma'am, I mean, she was rude. I mean, she was really rude. And she said, you know, he is not in this facility, ma'am. And I said, and I was trying to control myself and really keep calm, right? And I'm saying... The place you was at right down the street from where we was, where we had, we had went into the wrong place, I guess. Oh, that's when you guys went out to to uh, Boom into Texas, and and Texas, yeah, you guys were out in Texas, and Texas was a complex. See how how Boom Mine is is a complex where they have about five prisons in one, and yeah, it's that's where you guys had got confused. Yeah, I think that's what it was, right? And I think they finally told Rose whereabouts you was in there because we had no idea. Yeah, that was out there in Beaumont. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was challenging, but you were worth the challenge. So it just got, it got to the point for me to where I didn't even want visits anymore, you know? Well, we weren't going to do that. Well, but it, it was just it was just that I, I it was too hard on me because by the by the time by the time you guys left I go back I'm depressed for 3 days it takes me out of my whole my whole cycle of what I was in it wow. takes me at least a couple of weeks to really kind of get back into the into the motion into the grind you know it was it was very laborious and that's just one visit yeah you know this what what we just really kind of went through is essentially just one visit and there are family members many are in the comments there's a lot of comments about about you know the topic but these these are people that do this all the time like you heard my family say earlier 12 years you know 
12 years they were doing this in their 50s and 60s. 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s, you know? <laughs> With that small grandchild. Yeah. Rose, don't give away our age, you know? <laughs> so, um, that's but, it. You know, going back into what I was saying earlier, this is this is what Coming Home Coalition does is, is really kind of... Uh, help the family out through that, prepare them, get them to, to understand all of this, what we laid out, um, and just try to alleviate as much as possible because if nobody understands how important these visits are, you know, these three people right here do. Yes. And uh, you know? I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that know the same thing we know. And have gone through the same thing we have, hmm. not even knowing when their loved one will be coming home. Yeah. But at least we had some idea of when you would be back. <clears throat> well, on one, on one final note, let me ask this here as a parting question. Would you feel that your experience with the prison system was encouraging for visits or discouraging? discouraging it was very discouraging but it was encouraging enough to know that we get to see our loved one right right all right well thank you guys again for blessing my show um sharing of course your, your beautiful home that i grew up in and and the story so i'm, I'm grateful that you guys are still able to to share these with me yeah and we can't wait to see you christmas time yeah. All right, you guys. We will see you later. I'll see you Christmas. For the rest of our guests, everybody, take care. Stay blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining in. And um, I just pray that uh that we can work through this. That those that that have been going through this, we can we can make changes. We can make changes in the system, make it more family oriented, make it more loving, make it easier process, and uh, eventually just get all of our loved ones home and and out of this this system. So until next week, thank you guys for jo joining in. Make sure to tune in Tuesday night for the premiere of our new show, Black White with an individual, um, very important. Let me, let me run this down. I will have an individual coming into the studio. Um, we will have live shows on Tuesday night. And uh, the thing about it is, is we're gonna be talking about race. It's specifically about race, race in America, whether it's in business, um, sports, community, everyday life. And this is an individual that I do not know. Do not know this guy. Just met him a week ago. Uh, we had a, a couple little discussions and we decided that this was going to be the topic and to really kind of show America that two individuals of different races. I hate using that word anymore, but, you know, that's that's what we know it as. But two individuals of 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 different color skin can sit down and discuss some of the most important discussions going on in America right now and and come to uh come to agreements on a lot of things a lot of understanding and such so tuesday night 
Don't know the time yet. I will keep you posted on that. You can follow me on Facebook to get that time. But Tuesday night is definite. And then Thursday night again with Demetrius Knuckles Eel. Another powerful discussion. And then until next Saturday night. You guys stay blessed. We out.